like my favorite wrestler's entrance song. That theme song gets me excited because I know it's time for another action-packed episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast. My name is Jumping Jay, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, Tommy the Brain Fierro. Tommy, how are you doing, brother? What's up, man? How are you today? I am doing fantastic. Beautiful weather here in Minnesota. Another great day to talk 80s wrestling with you. And I know you're coming off of a very cool weekend. Well, not cool. Maybe sunny weekend down there at the Wrestling Collector. Catch me up, man. What is going on in your world of 80s wrestling? Well, well, first off, today in New Jersey, you said it's a beautiful day down there. Today up here, man, the, it's going to be like 99 degrees, the regular temperature with the, with the heat. It's going to be like 110 here in Jersey today. So it's going to be an extremely sunny day. And we had a sunny day at the Wrestling Collector this past weekend as well. Tammy Sitch made her first appearance uh, since uh, returning to the free world. And, uh, bro, she looked absolutely awesome. Uh, she did great. And I know there's some, uh, some of the websites out there posted uh, her pictures uh, from the uh, signing this past Saturday at the Wrestling Collector. And if not, if you want to see what she looked like, you can check out our Instagram page, The Wrestling Collector Store. And uh, you can check out a photo of her in front of the store. And uh, she looked great, man. She was in great spirits. It was, I was happy to see her look so good. And, and uh, yeah, she did great. And then uh, this weekend, uh, we're film, we're recording this live on Thursday. On Saturday night here in New Jersey, we're going to be taking over the New Jersey State Fair, and we're hosting 80s Wrestling Night at the State Fair this Saturday night at the Sussex County Fairgrounds. The Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, will be in the house there, as will I, this Saturday night, New Jersey State Fair, 6 to 9 p.m. The Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, will be appearing at the State Fair and again, that's at the Sussex County Fairgrounds in uh, Augusta, New Jersey. So New Jersey State Fair this Saturday night with the Million Dollar Man. Then this Monday, we have another live virtual signing with the uh, wild man, Mark Merrow, slash Johnny B. Bad. He will be joining us live this Monday night for Monday Night Virtual. And you can head over to 80swrestlingcon.com. Right now, select a photo that you'd like to have him get signed, and then you can watch him sign it and personalize it to you and give you a shout-out this Monday night live on our Facebook page, facebook.com backslash 80s Wrestling Picks. Again, all that info is on 80swrestlingcon.com. And then next Sunday, Jay, next Sunday is the big one, man, Virtual Mania 2. We'll talk a lot more about that on next week's episode, but it's going to be Mark Henry, Billy Gunn, D'Lo Brown, and the Headbangers. All day long virtual signing next Sunday, August the 22nd. So, yeah, that's that's what's on my radar in the next uh, week and a half, two weeks or so. Here's what I love, Tommy. You always got something going on in the world of 80s wrestling, and these are some big, big events that you have coming up with some big names. Now, I, I, I can imagine the New Jersey State Fair is a huge deal. Ours in Minnesota gets such, draws such a crowd. So oh, yeah. the turnout there is going to be unbelievable. And then just to be walking and look over and see Ted DiBiase behind a booth at the State Fair, what an incredible experience. And so I got to imagine that's going to be a huge hit with people in the New Jersey area. And then 80s, the Virtual Mania Con 2, or the Virtual Mania 2 coming up, the names, the attitude. I can't wait, man. I'm super excited. Thanks, bro. And uh, yeah, and then I, 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 I don't know if we announced it on the, the podcast or not, but I did announce it on my personal Facebook page and going to start uh, announcing it this weekend on our social media pages. 80s Wrestling Con Live is returning on May the 7th. I know that we, we, we mentioned it on the show, but I'm not sure if we mentioned who we have signed. We have. WWE Hall of Famer, the governor, 
Jesse the Body Ventura will be headlining 80s Wrestling Con Live on May 7th, 2022 at the Menin Arena in Morristown, New Jersey. And the cool thing is, Jay, for people that are coming from out of the area, and I know that a lot of people will come from out of the area for this, especially our listeners here on the the podcast, we're going to have ISPW Wrestling Live at nighttime at the arena. So you can make a whole day of it. In the daytime, it's going to be 80s Wrestling Con Live. And at nighttime, ISPW Wrestling Live. So it's going to be an unbelievable day. I highly suggest everyone making a weekend of it because uh, I'm going to be stacking up this convention big time. Well, listen, that head, that headline, that first name that you dropped, Jesse the Body Ventura. I don't, I don't know if you understand, Tommy. He doesn't do a lot of these signings. And so the fact that you were able to get him is huge. Like, you know him from Minnesota. He was our governor. He did a lot of wrestling here in his early career. And he just does not come out and do fan fests. He doesn't do a lot of signings. In fact, the last time that he did a signing near me in Minnesota, this was years ago, he had written a book. And it was very clear you could not bring wrestling merchandise to be signed. He was only signing his book. So as a wrestling fan, the, the fact that, that I get a chance to, to meet him and get an autograph and talk wrestling with him, I am super excited, Tommy. I know you know it's big. I don't know if you understand how big it truly is. People are going to love seeing Jesse Ventura there. Yeah, man, I, I'm super excited. And, and I'm also excited for the fact that I'm going to be able to offer autograph photos or your own item signed for anyone that doesn't live in this area or can't make it to New Jersey next to May. I am Ashley J. going to be putting those on sale this Monday morning. Uh, which is virtual, uh, not virtual, yeah, well, 80s wrestling virtual, I was about to say virtual mania, but it's the day of the virtual signing, so it'll be a big day for us this Monday. We are going to let 100 mail order spots be available for this Monday, Jay, so just say, you know, you're in Minnesota. I know that you're coming to 80s wrestling con already because you told me, And uh, but say, you know, you, you just can't make it. You have a family of five, and there's no way you can make it up. We are going to let 100 spots be available for mail order. So you can get an autographed picture, or you can send in your own items for the body. And I will tell you, this will sell out quick. So they will go on sale this Monday on 80swrestlingcon.com. And uh, you can order an autograph, pre-order an autograph photo or pre-order your own items to get signed. So I think that's going to be big, too, and exciting that people that are from all over the world will be able to still be part of this. It's huge. I absolutely love it that you uh, allow that route for fans who can't make the travel. We love what you're doing for 80s wrestling fans, Tommy. So thank you very much for that. And your ideas just keep coming. Today, our topic is, of course, Bobby the Brain Heenan. But you had a brain moment this morning. You had a bright idea. The light bulb went off above your head, and you said, Jumpin' Jay, why don't we allow a little fan interaction on our show? And so starting today, we're giving out the call-in number for this very show. Now, this being the first one, you probably are listening to this at your regular time off your regular podcast app. But going forward, every Thursday at 10 Eastern Time, we're going to be recording this podcast live and Tommy the Brain had the great idea of giving out the number. Tommy, tell me about that light bulb moment. Tell me about why yeah. you want fan interaction in this podcast. Well, I was I was driving into the the slam shop this morning and I was listening to a, a morning call in show, and I'm like, well, why don't me and Jay do a, a a call in live? Why don't we record the podcast live and we can take call ins as well? Uh, I, obviously, the I don't know if it's going to work today because I gave him that idea about an hour before we started recording live. So I just got to post it on our social media. So uh, if it doesn't work out today, going forward, 
we're going to be doing live call-ins every week. So everyone that's listening right now, grab a pen. I'm going to give you the number. Again, it's going to be every Thursday morning live from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern time. So you can call in and talk about the topic. The number is 516-595-8295. Again, 516-595-8295. So today we may get interrupted, Tommy, in our conversation with somebody who happened to see the social media post and is willing to call in. Uh, if not, we'll just keep our conversation rolling like normal. But I think now that the number's out there and people are listening this week, I think next week we'll be able to get some phone calls from tremendous listeners, 80s wrestling fans, and hear their take on whatever topic we talk next week. But today we're talking about Bobby Heenan. Now, Tommy, I know wrestling fans, we can argue for days about who we think the greatest pro wrestler of all time is and even our own minds can change back and forth but when it comes to wrestling managers i think you would find very few people that would argue that anyone did it as well or better than bobby heenan is he simply in your opinion is he simply the cream of the crop when it comes to that role in wrestling five thousand percent and not only is he the cream of the crop as far as managers goes but he's on the top of the list of overall performers. Uh, he, he, he was able to do it all, man. He was absolutely fantastic. And I know that we talked about him quite a bit on our managers episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast here. But, I mean, someone like Bobby, he deserves his own show. And we could probably talk about hours for Bobby uh, of everything that he's done in the wrestling business and all his big memories and moments in the WWF and all the members of the Heenan family and all the big matches he had uh, that were, you know, accompanying Andre the Giant or whoever he was mentioned at that time. So, I mean, Bobby Heenan, he, he was a big, 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 and I say big like 10 times, was, I, I mean big, uh, reason Hulk Hogan was, you know, so red hot as a, as a baby face uh, at the time because, you know, you had to feed – Hogan all these hills, you know, every every month leading to the next WrestleMania or the next SummerSlam back then because there wasn't, you know, there wasn't pay-per-views every month. So, you know, uh, Hogan had to, to work the house show circuit, you know, against different opponents. And a lot of those opponents came from Bobby Heenan's Heenan family. And, you know, Bobby had a ton of guys he managed. And I'm sure we'll talk about them all throughout this episode today. But just to name a few, I mean, Paul Orndorff, you know, he was instrumental of having Orndorff turn on Hogan. And, you know, we, we talked about that a lot on this, on this uh, podcast. And obviously, uh, Bobby Heenan was a huge part of why Andre the Giant turned on Hulk Hogan. And obviously, we talked about that a lot on the podcast over the last 31 episodes that we've uh, recorded so far. Uh, but, I mean, there, there was a lot of guys that, that Bobby had that worked with Hogan and that included big John Studd, that included King Kong Bundy. It may have been a WrestleMania two against, you know, Hulk Hogan. So, I mean, that right there, I mean, Mr. Perfect, he managed, I mean, he, uh, Ric Flair, there's a lot of guys that, that Bobby managed that was in those top main event spots. And I, I don't know if it was, you know, Hulk Hogan that was, pushing that talent up to that main event spot, or if it was Bobby Heenan pushing that heel up to that main event spot to work Hogan because the heat was on the manager. So, I mean, I, Bobby was just, I can't sing his praise enough. You know, the unique thing about Bobby is like you said, he wasn't just a manager. He was a performer. He was an entertainer. And just his presence at ringside had the ability to elevate a match to another level. One of the greatest things you can look at with Bobby Heenan is that if you look at a big-time pay-per-view from this time period, there is no doubt that Bobby's going to make multiple appearances. So he's not a one-and-done guy bringing one wrestler to the ring. 
at an event as big as WrestleMania three, I think he represented three wrestlers ringside. The biggest being, of course, Andre the Giant. But the fact that he was such a commodity that they would have him appear multiple times on a card with multiple wrestlers and each appearance would be different and entertaining in only the way Heenan could deliver. I mean, you could put him three spots on a pay-per-view and all three spots would be entertaining. And so that just is a credit to the kind of performer that he was. He understood the business from the microphone side to when to take a bump. And then when he transitioned to being uh, on commentary with Gorilla Monsoon, everything he did was entertaining and it brought something extra to the product. And I think that's what set him aside. Let's start talking with his manager, uh, his manager role, and then let's transition to how good of a commentator he was and different things like that. But of course, everybody knows Bobby Heenan was the leader of a stable, the Bobby Heenan family. And like you said, Tommy, the wrestlers that came through there were all big names that maybe didn't even need a manager to get over. But Bobby Heenan just brought that extra something to help push a guy to main event status. You've had the privilege, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you met Bobby and you've had him at a few of your signings through the years. What do you think it was about Bobby that was that it factor that made him so special? His personality, I think. I, I think that it's contagious. I think that he was one of those guys that when you spoke, when he spoke, you listened. Uh, every word he said was important. And, and man, I can't wait to start talking about his, you know, color commentary role, man. What, I mean, him and Monsoon were just, uh, but yeah, that's why I said at the top of the show, I'm like, this guy, he was one of the best overall performers ever in this industry because, you know, he, he was a wrestler back in the day as well. And he transitioned to the greatest manager of all time. He, and then he went from there to being one of the, questionably one of the greatest uh, commentators of all time. And, you know, he was on primetime wrestling all the time. And I mean, just everything he did, every, it seemed like everything he touched turned to gold. So, uh, like I said, he was over overall one of the best performers ever. But I think his personality is what drove people to just watch him, you know, whether you loved him or you hated him. And he was so good at making you do that. It just, I just think it was, it was his, it, I think it was, I think it was, I didn't know him personally, but I, if I was a guessing man, I would say he was being Bobby Heenan with the volume turned up a little bit. I, I guarantee you. Uh, I mean, I, I, I had him at two of my conventions and uh, he was very, 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 very witty and, and very funny. So I, I think that the Bobby Heenan you saw on TV was really him maybe with the volume turn up a little bit, and maybe that's why uh, he was so successful as a, as a character and a performer. You know, everybody that you hear interviewed about Bobby Heenan always says similar things. He was quick-witted. He was funny. He was sharp. He always had a great comeback. And I think what set him apart is he never did any of those things in an attempt to overshadow someone or to steal the spotlight from someone. Like you said, that was just Bobby. And he would pepper in these funny comebacks, these witty sayings. He would openly uh, cheer for heel wrestlers on the microphone. But he did it in such a way that he wasn't stealing the attention away from the performer. He was adding to the performance of the performer. And I think that's what made him special is, he was great at what he did. He knew when to do it. He knew why he was doing it. And he did it in such a way that even if you didn't like the villain or the heel characters that he was uh, portraying or representing, he did it in such a way that you just had to shake your head and chuckle because it was entertaining and it was funny. And you're probably right. That's probably just Bobby. Say, Tommy. Yes, Jay. The phone is ringing. Are you ready to take our very first call on 80s Wrestling, the podcast? Yeah, let's do it, brother. All right, I'm going to pick up the receiver, man. You can say hello 
We got him on the line. Hey, you're on live, 80s Wrestling, the podcast. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Jay, I think the first one was a dud, bud. Dud, bud, that rhymes. Hello, are you caller, are you there? I hear, oh, they just hung up. They just dropped the call. I heard a little static. Well, there you go, Tommy. We got the first one out of the way. Hey, man, it, it took a lot of opening matches to get to the main event. So, I mean, uh, we still got to build the card up. You know what I mean, brother? No doubt. I'm happy at least to know that. Listen, we, they're, they're trying again. We're going to do this again, Tommy. They're you determined, ready? brother. They're determined. This is take two. Hello. Hi, Tommy. Hi, Jay. It's Hello, sir. How are you, Tommy and Jay? Hey, how are you? Not bad. I've never met Jay, but I've met Tommy. Remember me, Tommy? Uh, What's your name? Gonzo. I was the one who gave you the WWF uh, duffel bag with all the Oh, yeah, yeah. What's up, man? How are you? The short little guy. Not bad. Yourself? Good, man. Good. Thanks for calling in. Yeah. So Bobby Heaton, what made you guys pick Bobby the Brain Heaton today? Why not? He's one of the greatest managers, if not the greatest manager of all time, one of the greatest personalities of all time. We're talking 80s wrestling, and we wanted to uh, share some of our favorite Bobby Heaton memories. What are, what are some of your favorite Bobby Heaton Let's memories see. growing up hmm. as a kid? Let's see, Mr. Perfect, him always, you know, calling perfect the most perfect wrestler of all time even though I hated perfect. Um, who else? Um, who else did he manage? I'm drawing a brain freeze. Um, he managed Mr. Perfect. He managed Ric Flair. I remember watching the 92 Royal Rumble, and like he was commentating with, I, I think it was Sean. Sean, I can't remember his last name. I remember watching it. Uh, Sean O'Malley, I think, and basically – he would just talk nonstop about, you know, how perfect and, and um, Lawler and Ric Flair and all the bad guys. Yes. But, so who was, your, who was your favorite manager of all time? My favorite manager of all time? I, I like Mr. Fuji. Okay. With Yokozuna, Demolition. Um, yeah, Yokozuna, Demolition, and uh, yeah. It was more 80s, and uh, who else? Yeah, like managers, Virgil for Million Dollar Man, and then he became a wrestler. He went from being his manager to his competitor. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, my favorite tag team was Legion of Doom and Demolition. But manager-wise, I liked Mr. Fuji. I liked, uh, um, yeah, Bobby the Brain Heenan was, yeah, he was all right, even though he was on, like, the bad guy side. <laughs> I love. Oh, and then the mouth of the South. You know who that is? Yeah, it's Jay. That's Jay from Minnesota. <laughs> Gonzo's talking about J- Jimmy Hart, Tommy. Gonzo clearly go. knows his wrestling. I know. Hey. I was gonna say, I'm like, I'm like, I hope Tommy knows mouth of the South. Yeah, I, I hope. I would hope so. Hey, man, listen, we we, we got to run. We we have some other calls coming in. We're gonna talk some All more. Right, thanks so much for having me, guys. Tommy, I'm going to try my best to stop by the Wrestling Collector soon, and uh, I hope both of your podcasts go well. It was great. Nice meeting you, Jay, through the phone, and nice talking to you again, Tommy. Thanks a lot, brother. Have a great day, man. Look forward to seeing you again soon at the store. You too. Uh, Is the store open today? Yes, sir. We'll be here at 5 p.m. All right. Sounds good. Talk to you later. Have a good podcast. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye, Gonzo. Well, looky there, Tommy. Not only do we get our first caller into the podcast, but it has—it happens to be someone who's visited the Wrestling Collector Superstore. A true '80s wrestling fan, right there, Gonzo. Awesome, man. So uh, you were talking. I'm sorry, dude. Were you, you were talking. You're middle of something before that that call came in. You know, I'm sure I was saying something highly intelligent, and it was making a lot of sense. But <laughs> that 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 train has left the track. Um, we were talking about Heenan's managerial roles, the guys he represented and how he added so much to these already larger than life personalities. And he never seemed to steal the spotlight. He always just seemed to add that little something extra. And like you said, exactly. he helps elevate 
people to main event status so they could challenge Hulk Hogan. And he had a whole stable of these guys. The Heenan family might be one of the greatest stables in the history of wrestling because Bobby Heenan picked some of the biggest, baddest dudes, and he represented them in such a way that it just elevated everybody. I, I love how you said that he, he did little things he didn't take away. Absolutely right. He added, he added to that match. You see, not so much WWF in the 80s, but if you were like on the independent, watching independent wrestling like in the, the 90s or early 2000s, you would see all these indie wrestlers, they, uh, indie managers, they would just take away from the matches so much. These guys are in the ring, you know, busting their ass, trying to tell a story, and then you have the, the wrestler, uh, the manager outside the ring, you know, getting heat for himself, getting himself over while the, the eyes really should be on, on and in the ring. So uh, Bobby Heenan uh, did a fantastic job of knowing when not to do something and when to do something. And uh, he, he was just such a pro. So I think that he added so much to every story, every match, every angle. He was such a huge contributor to all that, more so than probably anyone else at that time. Because remember, he was not only a manager with all the top heels feeding them to Hogan, but he was also, you know, doing commentary after that. And then the shows like Primetime Wrestling, I mean, he can do anything. He can get in there and wrestle. He wrestled in in uh, weasel suit matches against guys. So, like, you wanted an attraction you know, you, you, you look at the Islanders and, and Bobby Heenan and the six man, like, or you, you have Heenan against guy like when Heenan got in that ring and wrestled, cause he could wrestle also Jay. He, that was an attraction to see Bobby Heenan in a, in a, in a weasel suit match or in a six man tag or against someone that was an attraction. That was something that you put on the marquee. That was something people paid, to, uh, paid money uh, to see. You know, that's a good point. And we've talked in the past how steel cage matches meant something when done properly, guest referee spots mean something. This is another example of that. <clears throat> if you have a manager like Bobby Heenan, who's drawn tremendous heat from the crowd or from a face, a baby face wrestler, it can mean something when you finally get that manager to step between the ropes. And the way the World Wrestling Federation did it in the golden era is they didn't throw it away. It wasn't wasted. When they would build it to such a frenzy that fans would want to see Bobby Heenan get his comeuppance, to get his, his just desserts. And so they would marquee it. Like you said, it would mean something to finally see Bobby Heenan is stepping in between the ropes, whether he's joining a tag team match and it's kind of coming a two-on-three situation or if he's going into the weasel suit match. Now, the weasel suit match originally was done in Minnesota in the AWA. I don't know if you know that, Tommy. And then the WWF obviously brought it to their mainstream audience when Heenan battled the Ultimate Warrior. But Heenan had this nickname as being the weasel for the way he kind of went about business. And so what a great idea you have a loser gets put into a weasel suit costume. And now you know, you know going in, the ultimate warrior is not getting stuffed into a weasel costume. You know Bobby Heenan is going to be on the receiving end of that. But the way he would sell it, he would be laying in the middle of the ring, they would slip the suit on, and then he would kind of come to, and he'd look at his hands and he'd see the paws, He'd look down at his oh, yeah. and he'd, he'd start chasing his tail. He'd start flipping and flopping and falling all over the place. It's just comedy gold there, Tommy. The way he sold everything was just comedy gold. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And, I, I, you know, the best, you just brought me back to my childhood when you said about how, you know, once, once he had the suit on, he would look at his hands. He would bump, he would bump off of that. Uh, yeah, he was bump just, off that. <laughs> he was so awesome, man. He really, really, really was. And uh, uh, we're talking about some of the things he did. Uh, uh, we just brought up the I just brought up the Islanders before. How about when uh, Bobby Heenan and the Islanders kidnapped and stole Matilda from the British Bulldogs? 
we've talked about that angle in the past, how that's one of the most memorable, most well done, best orchestrated storylines. And again, Bobby Heenan does it perfectly, perfectly. And so he's part of so many of those memorable storylines or angles. And it's because he would sell it the way that he would sell it. Um, Man, he was just so good. Like, Like you said, he would bump off the smallest things and get such a great reaction from people. Absolutely, man. He he was man, he was one of the best ever. Ever ever ever. Manager, wrestler, combat he just he was the overall package. He really I I I hate to keep stressing that, but if you, if you look back to that era, you, there's not that many people that can do everything, everything so good and and as good as he did it. You're right. And let's Let's not take anything away from Jerry the King Lawler uh, or from JR, because they are one of the best combination on commentary ever in the history of pro wrestling. But for my money, I don't know if there's anything more entertaining than Gorilla Monsoon as the straight play-by-play guy and Bobby Heenan being the color commentary. That combination on the microphone was the soundtrack to so many of the moments growing up watching wrestling and the way Bobby Heenan was on the microphone, Tommy, it was so entertaining. He would clearly, clearly pull for the bad guy and he would say something 30 seconds later, he would contradict himself and then he would just laugh it off when Gorilla Monsoon would, would point it out. He was so entertaining on the microphone, Tommy, in your opinion, where would you rank Gorilla and Heenan as far as combination of commentators? Uh, I personally, they're my favorite of all time. So number one for me, uh, again, that, that's just my opinion because I mean, Gorilla, Gorilla and Jesse, the body of Ventura were fantastic too. And, you know, Bobby and Vince together were fantastic and Jesse and Vince together were fantastic. So I guess it's a, it's a combination of that and, and just everyone's personal preference. But to me, it was definitely Gorilla and, and Bobby Heenan. How, how about you? Who was your favorite? I'd have to go with Gorilla and Bobby. But like you said, in those days, you had some really good combinations and people seemed to gel together. There was something about Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan's relationship that just seemed so genuine that these guys, it came across that they enjoyed working together. And so I think that was a big part of it for me. I loved when they would do a pay-per-view Gorilla's calling the play-by-play. Bobby Heenan's getting all worked up because his heel wrestler is losing or something's not going right. And he would just be over-the-top hysterical. And Gorilla would just kind of poke and prod him with little comments and get him riled up. Um, Just last night I was watching, I think it was the 92 Rumble. I think it's the one our call-in guy Gonzo referenced where Ric Flair ends up winning. But in that match, there's a scene where or, or, or a part where Piper starts beating on a guy that was beating on Flair, and Bobby Heenan starts praising Rowdy Piper, telling him, I can't believe I'd never say this, but it's not a skirt, Piper. It's a kilt. You're a good guy. It's a kilt. Not 20 seconds later, Piper starts beating on Flair, and Heenan reverses it and goes, you no good skirt wearing. Oh, that's just classic Heenan, and it's just hilarious to watch and to listen to Absolutely, man. What, 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 and I know this is putting you on the spot and, and you probably can't only just come up with one, but what would be your all time favorite Bobby Heenan memory growing up as a kid and, and looking back at it now as, as an adult or would they be different? I don't know if they'd be different. I know as a kid, um, watching Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan on primetime wrestling was so entertaining and they would show different clips and different highlights and they would banter back and forth and they would do like special Halloween episodes where they would dress in costumes and it was just so entertaining. It was so different from the regular Saturday morning squash matches that you were watching. It was just a different spin on it and it was so darn entertaining um, and then, no, I know for a while, then Bobby Heenan got a spinoff of his own show that I think ate up like half an hour of the primetime wrestling show. 
and he would have strange guests come on and do talents and stuff. And he would just sit there and rib them. Uh, and so I think just his personality through all of wrestling was my favorite part about him. Just the, the hilarity that he brought with him. Um, obviously one of the biggest angles that sticks in my mind is when Andre the Giant turned on Hogan and he walked out with Bobby Heen. And then Hogan says, don't tell me you're with him, dude. Like that is a big <laughs> moment uh, in my mind. How about you? What is some of your cherry picked moments of the Bobby Heenan? I, you know, it, it, it's so hard to, to pinpoint one of the big ones with like Andre and, and Orndorff. Those two angles were phenomenal. You know, him with Bundy with Hogan was awesome. Him, him with Stud with Andre was awesome. But one of one of the angles that Bobby did that I always always loved, and I'm sure you do too, is when he was slapping around Hercules. You see this big muscle guy with chains around him, and he's slapping him. And when that happened, and Hercules, you know, he turned. That 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 was a really cool angle, I thought. That is a cool angle, and you know what? When you were saying that. I think he did the very similar thing with Andre the Giant when the, uh, the Colossal Connection lost the straps to Demolition. He kind of started chewing out Andre and slapped him, and that was Andre's turn into a, into a good guy then. And I think he might have done something similar with Perfect at some point in his career. And so maybe that was kind of a, a go-to is how Wait, he turned am I, someone. Am I, am, I, am I thinking that wrong? Was it, or was it Million Dollar Man that did that to Hercules and Hercules' turn? Maybe it was a million-dollar man. I'd have to look it up. You might be right, though. It might have been Bobby Heenan. I just know he did that with I, I remember Andre. someone. I he did it with Perfect. I remember him doing it with – I'm not sure if it was Heenan or Hercules – or uh, Heenan or, or DiBiase. I don't know why all of a sudden I started thinking DiBiase when Hercules came up. We'll have to look that up. We'll have to look that up. I know Herc- or DiBiase – buys Hercules at some point and kind of uses him as hired muscle. Maybe that one wasn't afterwards. Hercules. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking, Jay. Uh, Hercules couldn't take, take any more. Maybe. Heenan was involved in that too, man. No, yeah, no, no. Yeah, he was, he was. He definitely yeah, was. Heenan's holding the briefcase that the million dollar yeah. man's money is in. Yeah. So yeah, I, I am right then. Yeah. That, that, that angle. I love that angle for some reason. I, okay. And I love, I love the Heenan, and uh, I found there's kidnapping Matilda, too. I love that. It's just the, yeah, the heel moves that he would do as a manager. And it just made Dude, the storyline memorable. Because all these I, years later, we're talking about it. Jay, I even loved, I even loved the angle they did with the Brooklyn Brawler and, and uh, the Red Rooster, Terry Taylor. Like, even that stuff I loved. Like, it seemed like anything Bobby Heenan did, man, was enjoyable. No matter who he was managing or who was, like, the stuff with uh, Rick Rude uh, was was phenomenal. I mean, I mean, the guy just like I said, anything he touched turned to gold. It did. He would do. We were just talking about him slapping people. I remember he was on outside the ring at a rooster match, and he just walking by casually, and would just haul off and slap him as his as he was laying on the mat, you know, with his head uh, underneath the bottom rope, and so he would just add those things that. As a kid, you hate it. Like you called it out, you sighed, and you're like, you couldn't believe the ref didn't see it. But now, as an adult, you realize how entertaining that is, and how heelish of a move that is. You just walk by someone casually, open hand slap them, and then just keep moving. Just awesome. Maybe I'll do that to you if you get me uh, a little riled up today. <laughs> I'm pretty safe on this end of the microphone, but maybe if I if I rile you up and you save it until. Uh, 80s Wrestling Con Live, brother, then I better watch out. <laughs> yes, you better watch out, brother. You better watch out. It'd be the slap hurt around the world. The slap hurt. Those... Hey, hey here, here's a Bobby Heenan question for you, buddy. A lot of the guys in the 80s had a go-to look or a go-to outfit, ring attire. Bobby Heenan would switch it up every once in a while. But when I say Bobby Heenan and you get a mental picture of him, what do you picture Bobby Heenan wearing when you think of Bobby Heenan? What outfit? What, what, what do you see? 
That's a great question. And I, I think I, the, uh, the first thing I, I envision is that black, you know, jumpsuit, not jumpsuit, but the black suit he'd have with, with, with his name written on the back and, yeah. and, and silver and, and that outfit. But then I think I thought of the blue, the blue outfit and the red outfit. So yeah, yeah. Man, I, mean, I think of Bobby Heenan on the cover of the WWF magazine, that, that pink background cover with Bobby Heenan with the red jacket on, I think of that. I mean, the blue, the blue jacket. So yeah, man, he, I, he was just, again, you think of all these different things of Bobby. Uh, he, he was instrumental with the uh, success of the WWF during that time frame. He was. And like you said, the first thing I picture is that black outfit with his name and sequence or sparkles or however you want to say it that says uh, his name on the back. And then you go to, yeah, the red uh, tuxedo that would sparkle with the bow tie. And then do you remember WrestleMania three? He had on a tuxedo and it was white and gold. And that's what he wore to bring Andre the giant to the ring. And I just remember thinking this must be a huge event because even Bobby the Brain Heenan is dressed in a white tuxedo. Now, you don't dress in a white tuxedo unless you are 100% sure your guy is going over and you're leaving there as the manager of the world champion. And so when I saw that as a kid, even I was like, oh, this might not go Hogan's way because – Bobby the Brain Heenan is selling it, that he's winning. His guy's going over. He is dressed as nice as a guy could dress for this event. And so I just love that he would do things like that that would also add to the spectacle. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. What, uh, what, what's your biggest um, match that – Bobby was involved in for you as far as managing-wise goes. Would it be his WrestleMania three match against Hogan? I mean, it's probably hard to to pick another match that was bigger for Bobby and for those other two guys involved as well, but um, is that your personal favorite, or is there another big match that you thought Bobby shined the most in? Here's what I'm going to go with. I am going with the match where Ravishing Rick Rude finally beat the Ultimate Warrior for the Intercontinental title because Bobby Heenan pulls the boots of the Warrior underneath the bottom rope during a suplex and then holds them down and allows Ravishing Rick Rude to get the win. That, in my mind, was such a big moment because I hated it when it happened, but looking back, I love it. And the fact that he played a hands-on he, he was there. He, he, he contributed to that win. He cheated to help his guy win. As a heel manager, I love when that happens. What if, what if I turn the coin on you, Tom, and ask you the same thing? Is there a moment or a match that you would look at and go, Bobby Heenan made this something extra special? I, I would say, you know, has to be WrestleMania three. I mean, that was, in my opinion, still the, the biggest and greatest event of all time. And, you know, just, you know, Bobby being in the main event accompanying Andre the Giant in that match and just the buildup for that match and the anticipation for that match and what a crucial part Bobby played in the story behind that match and also the promos leading up to that match. I mean, he just, he, he, he sold that match I'll make I'll make a statement right now. Bobby Heenan is just as responsible as Hulk Hogan was and Andre the Giant was for drawing the ninety three thousand people. I'm gonna say that right now. He was just he played just as important role in drawing that crowd as Hogan and Andre did because the heat. On uh, the heat Bobby Heenan had on him, because when Andre went with Heenan, that really made Andre the biggest piece of shit in the world. But that's because the heat was already on the brain, and 
Bobby did the talking for Andre leading up to the biggest match of all time. So it was Bobby that was talking those people in the seats just as much as Andre and Hogan colliding were. I don't think you're, I don't think you're going out on too big of a limb when you say that, because you're right. The fact that Andre turned on Hogan is huge. The fact that Andre partnered with Bobby Heenan made it even bigger. Hogan didn't have to say, don't tell me you're with Bobby Heenan. He said, don't tell me you're with him. Like people knew who Bobby Heenan was and people knew what Bobby Heenan stood for. And at this point in his career, Andre needed somebody to do the talking for him. He wasn't the easiest guy to understand when he was talking to the microphone. And so he needed someone who could build up the match vocally and allow Andre to build it up physically with that presence that only Andre the Giant had. And so the two of them pairing together to take on Hulkamania at this point, you're right. Bobby Heenan's involvement helped sell that match. Not that Hogan Andre needs that little extra something, but Bobby Heenan helped put the butts in the seats when it came to that main event at WrestleMania three. You're absolutely right about that. Yeah, man. So yeah, he, he played such a critical role, like I said, and, and, and everything that he did and, and on all the, the people that he managed. And, and let's go down a list of some of the other guys he managed in the WWF at that time. Um, the colossal connection, Andre, the giant and Haku together as a tag team. That was an awesome team. Harley Race, Hercules, the Islanders we mentioned, and uh, Mr. Perfect, Paul Orndorff, the Red Rooster, Rick Rude we mentioned, uh, the Barbarian, when the Barbarian went singles, Bobby had him, and uh, the Brain Busters, Arn Anderson, Natalia Blanchard. Uh, he played a, a crucial role in a lot of these guys' careers, man. He did. Uh, and the Brain Busters, when they came <clears> – <throat> Obviously, well-known Arn Anderson and Telly Blanchard from their, from their days in other promotions. But the name Brain Buster came from Bobby the Brain Heenan. The other big angle that I remember, <clears throat> excuse me, the other big angle that I remember from my childhood is when Ric Flair first came to the World Wrestling Federation. Before he appeared on television for the WWF, Bobby Heenan appeared on his behalf and was talking about the real world's champion. And he had that big gold belt that everyone knows and loves so much. He was instrumental in bringing one of the all-time greatest performers ever into the World Wrestling Federation. And so I remember Bobby Heenan walking around for weeks talking about the real world champion is coming. And as a kid wondering, what does that mean? Who's coming? What, what does this mean for Hulk Hogan and, and our world championship belt? And so just another nice thing in the Bobby Heenan story that he helped usher in Ric Flair's intro into the WWF. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And not that Flair, not that Flair needed a talker because, I mean, Flair's one of the greatest talkers of all time, so he didn't need a mouthpiece. But I do think putting him with Bobby was a good idea because, you know, like I said, Bobby had all the heat on him and, you know, Ric Flair going with Bobby automatically puts Ric Flair in that main event slot. Not that, not that it wouldn't have without Bobby, but I think Bobby just added that little extra something to Ric Flair's dynamic that he didn't have in NWA or WCW. So I think that that element alone made it successful in my opinion. And it didn't leave fans wondering if Ric Flair was going to be a good guy or a bad guy. Now, granted, Ric Flair, in my opinion, is always a better bad guy. But he's played both roles in his career. But as soon as you have Bobby the Brain Heenan telling you he's bringing in the real world's champion, you know he's coming in as a heel and he's coming to challenge Hogan for the title. Yeah, man, absolutely. And, and, and Bobby, like you said, he, he, he came from the AWA where, you know, you grew up as a kid in, in Minnesota, and, and we all know your stories of, you know, going boating with Baron Monresky and eating lobster tails in your, 
in your private yacht because you're you're rich and have millions of dollars, and you, you have it like that where you just you know call the Baron up and say, hey man, I'll come over on the on the boat today, and Baron comes over. So uh, growing up, you 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 said you weren't you weren't that big of an AWA fan. You said right? Could you remove well, WWE? It's one of these situations where when I really got into wrestling, the AWA was winding down. And so it wasn't as big as it once was. And it's a situation where as a kid, you don't realize how amazing Minnesota had it when it came to the early days of professional wrestling. And so I would get, you know, we talk about going to the video rental store and I would get like the best matches of the AWA or for Christmas one year, one of my uncles gave me, Hulk Hogan highlights. It was all his greatest AWA matches. And at the time, I didn't realize how much of a feeding ground the AWA was for the superstars that I was watching in the World Wrestling Federation. Bobby the Brain Heenan had a tremendous impact not only on the AWA and not only on Hogan's career in the World Wrestling Federation, but he's the one that gave Hogan's name to the AWA and said, you should look at bringing this guy in. And Hogan's career in the AWA is kind of what started the Hulkamania run and getting people really behind him. So the Minnesota ties to some of the careers that we talk about is pretty darn interesting. And so it's one of those things where I wish I was a little more tuned in at the time than I was. Because going back now, it's fun to look at the history and to watch the matches. But if I would have been paying attention as a kid and actually realized history was unfolding before me, I think I would have viewed the AWA differently at that time. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, another question for you. So, if, if I if I put a gun in your head, Jane, and said you have to, you have to answer me. You have to, or else, boom. Because so, I know this is a, a very tough pick, but if you had to pick, what would you prefer, Bobby, as a manager or commentator? If you can only pick one. That's man. That is a tough, tough, tough. If I could only pick one and you have a gun to my head and so I got to pick one fast, I would say commentator only because then you get to enjoy Heenan for the duration of his entire show, whereas a manager, you could only see him maybe three or four times at most. And so gun to head, I would pick commentator just because it was so entertaining and you could enjoy it for the whole show. I'm I'm going to throw it back at you, Tommy. What would you pick? as your go-to role for Heenan if you could only pick one and you had to decide now? My my initial answer would have been just flip a coin because either one you, you can't go wrong with. But after you just said, and you made a great, great point, and now I, I, I want to change my answer and agree with you, I, I, would, I would take him as the commentator as well, even though he was absolutely amazing as, as a manager because the, the reason you just said we can now – have him on our show the entire show yeah. instead of just bits and pieces here and there of him. So yeah, I, that, your answer Jay was absolutely perfect. No pun intended. And uh, yeah, I, I would, I would say the exact same thing you did. Yeah. His, what he brings to the world of professional wrestling is just that extra something special that unfortunately I don't think we'll ever see somebody with that skill set again or somebody who is able to do everything he did at that level. I think in today's wrestling scene, people are either too specialized, they're either a manager or they're a commentator, or when they try to cross over, it can come off as forced or it doesn't seem natural. Where Bobby just seemed at home, no matter what role you put him in. Do you, is there anybody in either today's wrestling scene or even in the Attitude Era that you would even say had glimpses of the, of the thing that Bobby Heenan brought to wrestling, or is he kind of once in a lifetime, we are lucky we had him, enjoy him while he was here, but we'll never see another one like that. Wow. That's, that's a really, really, really tough question uh, because there are guys that have been, you know, outside of, you know, Heenan in the eighties or was Piper is another one. Uh, you, you could say Piper, he can have done anything. He can wrestle, he can talk, he can, he managed at one point. I mean, Piper uh, commentating, Piper did it all as well. So, but if you said like during the, that attitude era, yeah, man, I'm sure, I'm sure 
because those guys were so talented then that you could have put them in different situations like they did Bobby, and they would have probably excelled at it tenfold, but they weren't put in the situation, so it's hard to, to say. So with, with that being said, I would say, yeah, I think Bobby was, in either way, uh, Bobby was once-in-a-lifetime performer and should go down and be remembered as one of the greatest performers, not managers, one of the greatest performers of all time. Now, I'm going to come off sounding kind of probably foolish, so I'm probably just reiterating some stuff I've read on various websites. But based on what you just said about the guys in the Attitude Era and about Bobby Heenan and Piper, I think it's safe to say that a lot of fans would argue that today's wrestling is just too heavily scripted because Bobby the Brain Heenan, he was coming up with his own stuff. Piper coming up with his own stuff. Everybody knows the Attitude Era happened because McMahon was tired of getting beat by WCW, and so he kind of took the restraints off the wrestlers and gave them the freedom to help develop their own characters and to kind of just speak from the heart and be who they are with the volume cranked way up. And so that is probably the missing ingredient in today's landscape is guys don't necessarily have that same freedom, that same license to crank their personalities up and kind of go with what they feel is the direction to go. It's probably too heavily scripted today. Is that fair to say, Tommy? Jay, I I think it would be fair to say, honestly, that, and this is coming from me, someone that's been involved in it for a very long time, fans, the wrestling business very, very well. Seriously, I'm not, I'm not even kidding around with you. You, you understand the wrestling business very well, because a lot of the stuff that you say uh, every week here on the podcast, like I just, I'm just like sitting here shaking my head. Yes. Listening to you because everything, pretty much everything you say, man, I, I, I agree with. So I, I think that we think very similar as, as far as eighties wrestling goes. Absolutely. But in general, Jay, I think that you have a very, very, very uh, good grasp for uh, the wrestling business. Just wanted to pay I, a little I just read what I just read what you send me every week, buddy. What's that? As I talk about being scripted, I just read what you send me every week. That's why that's, <laughs> that's why you agree with it. <laughs> that's not true. That's not true, but uh, we do think alike, and I do think, like, I, I think if you tried to script Bobby Heenan, it would not go well. I just don't think. Cause no, definitely not. The personality is taken out. If you tried to script uh, Rowdy Piper, I don't think it would have came off very well. If you tried to hand the Attitude Era guys a script, I mean, you just had um, the Godfather on your Monday Night Virtual, and he was very open about talking about how that character was the creation of him and his wife. They came up with the outfits. They came up with what to say. He came up with the name Godfather. It was him with the volume turned up. And so when you try to overscript performers, you lose the connection with the crowd. And I think that's one of the biggest issues folks have with the wrestling scene today. Yeah, 100%, man. 100%. So, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed this, uh, this episode a lot, actually. And uh, I, like I said, I, it was a last-second thing where we thought of doing a call-in show. We, we did get one call-in, but we, we literally posted it on our social media right before we went live. So um, obviously there was no time to prepare for it, but next week we'll, uh, we'll advertise it in advance and uh, we'll do a, a call-in show. I'm not sure what the topic is going to be yet. Me and Jay are talking over and we'll figure it out by the weekend and start posting this weekend to start promoting uh, the call-in show for next week. So until then, Jay, I hope you and your family have a great weekend and the beautiful state of Minnesota that's never seen a, a wrestling eye magazine before. And I hope you guys have a great weekend. If you're in the New Jersey area, come out and see us this Saturday night, August the 14th from 6 to 9 p.m. We're going to be at the New Jersey State Fair with the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, hosting 80s Wrestling Night. Come and check us out. And then this Monday is the big one, the return of the Monday Night Virtual. Mark Merrow takes the hot seat. We'll be signing your pictures, answering your questions live. You can order now on 80sWrestlingCon.com.
com. Jay, take it away, buddy. Big shout out to my man Gonzo for being the first call in on 80s Wrestling, the podcast. We look forward to hearing from more of you as the shows continue to go on. Tommy, it's going to be a hot one in New Jersey. Crank up the air conditioning and hang out inside the Wrestling Collector. Until next week, I'm Jumpin' Jay. He's Tommy the Weasel Fierro. We'll catch you next time right here on 80s Wrestling, the podcast. You dirty dog.